It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 20th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka School District is writing its budget for next year and, as usual, is hoping additional funding comes out of the capital to make ends meet. At a recent budget hearing, Sitka school board members and a lone member of the public shared their frustrations with the process. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The district is currently projecting a deficit of roughly $3 million for the school year starting next fall. Members of the Sitka School Board flew to Juneau earlier in February to meet with state legislators. At a community budget hearing on February 15th, Board President Tristan Gavon said the fly-in was productive. It was a little bit more hopeful maybe at the Capitol than last year, but I think we're still, you know, it's a it's an uphill battle and, uh, you know, having the state with the strongest governor and that line item veto means that it would take a two-thirds majority to override any veto like last year. Last year, the legislature approved a one-time increase to per-student funding of $680. Governor Dunleavy used his veto power to slash that by half, forcing many districts to rewrite budgets that had already been adopted. Sitka's situation is not as precarious as some other districts around the state. Board member Tom Williams thanked the school's business office for helping to limit the damage to the district's finances. Juno's got a $9 million deficit. Ketchikan has a zero fund balance. And, of course, you wouldn't want to be running your checkbook if you had a zero fund balance in it. Other school districts are talking about uh, negative fund balances or minimal fund balances. That if they had an emergency, if facilities failure, you know, they don't have the resources to bond, and they would be looking to the state to either fund them or shut them down. The February 15th community budget hearing was attended by only one member of the public. Sarah Ferency is the Interim Director of Cultural Resources, Education, and Employment at the Sitka Tribe of Alaska. She's a former assistant superintendent and former principal in the Sitka School District. Ferency urged the board to be more proactive about budgeting. You know, in my experience of a couple of years of doing this, the district budget process tends to be reactive. It tends to be like, okay, here's what it would cost to do the status quo. We have to cut $3 million. I think for the past 20 years, we've had to cut $3 million at this time of year, every year. You know, and then we have all these conversations about what we're going to cut. And then everybody who likes those things comes out and says, don't cut that. And then we have conversations about different things to cut, and we pass the budget and cut them. It's hard, it's exhausting, and it doesn't feel very forward-thinking. It doesn't feel very purposeful. Ferency added that prioritizing programs would help teachers know where they stand and reduce the uncertainty or even panic experienced by staff wondering if their jobs will be cut. Board President Gavon agreed. One of our goals as a district has always been to kind of move more towards that outcomes-based budgeting or, you know, something of that nature that maybe is a little more forward-thinking. And so um, hopefully somewhere we can get our strategic plan going and dovetail that in with the the budget process um, as much as possible this year. Budgeting remains one of the school board's most important tasks, and there is likely nothing more frustrating Board member Todd Gebler said the process sometimes made little sense. It just goes on and on and on. It's just a lot to think about, and, and it's just the unknown. It's it's we won't know anything for quite a while. So it's I, I, and I thought this last year, and I thought this the, the year before. Uh, you, you can't even really call it a budget because budgeting means some some 
way to foresee the future. And, and we have no way to foresee the future to, to put money where we need to because we don't know what the money is. The Sitka School Board plans at least two more budget work sessions on March 7th and April 11th before holding a final hearing and budget adoption on April 17th. All hearings are scheduled for Harrigan Centennial Hall. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Alaska House took up a wide-ranging education bill yesterday, but the proposal hit a key snag before debate even started. Three members representing areas off of the road system voted against a key procedural question. That kept the bill from advancing to a full vote of the House and threw the future of the bill into limbo. One of those members, Independent Representative Bryce Edgman of Dillingham, said he was concerned about provisions added by the House Rules Committee last month. I did not know what button I was going to push. But when it came down to it, after a whole bunch of soul-searching, talking with a couple of my brethren from the Bush caucus, um, before I can vote on a bill that has a lot of provisions in it, which are really unvetted, I don't know what this charter school provision does. I don't know what the amendment does. Yet we're about to have that committee as a whole discussion, apparently. The bill would ease the approval process for charter schools, boost correspondence schools and students' transportation, and bolster internet speeds across the state. It would also increase the base student allocation, a key piece of the state's education funding formula, by $300. Representatives C.J. McCormick of Bethel and Neil Foster of Nome, both Democrats, join Edgman in opposing the Rules Committee version of the bill. Those three members represent key votes in the 23-member Republican-led House Majority Caucus. Rules Committee Chair Representative Craig Johnson, an Anchorage Republican, encouraged lawmakers to allow debate to go forward. Johnson argued it was at least worth talking through the merits of the bill. A lot of stuff dies with this vote today. So I ask you to uh, search your soul. Are we better off surrendering or are we better off at least vetting it, getting our positions known? And the will of the body is the will of the body. The debate comes as school districts across the state brace for significant cuts. Administrators in Fairbanks recently recommended closing two schools and have identified two more as candidates for possible closure. Fairbanks Education Association President Danette Peterson told the Senate Education Committee last week that flat funding is pushing up pupil-teacher ratios. Just a couple years ago, we closed three schools, and I know how difficult that was for our community. Our PTR is going up to rates that I believe are ridiculous. Um, last year, when I was at Hutchison teaching, um, I had a lit class of 39 in a room that was designed for 24. The $300 per student increase included in the House bill would be less than the state provided in one-time funding last year, even after a veto from Governor Mike Dunleavy cut the amount in half. Johnson, the House Rules Chair, said he was open to debate on larger increases. The Alaska Senate is working on nixing several of the dozen executive orders Governor Mike Dunleavy issued earlier this year. The orders are mostly related to restructuring or eliminating various boards or commissions, and they're set to become law unless the legislature votes them down by mid-March. As Alaska Public Media's Eric Stone reports, Senate committees have heard significant pushback on some of the orders. Senate committees have moved quickly to examine the 12 orders, says Senate President Gary Stevens. We've never seen so many in my experience uh, at one time. Uh, we're going to go through, going through them very methodically, one at a time, making sure that they go through our committees. 
The Dunleavy administration says the executive orders are efforts to eliminate inefficiencies in government and enhance accountability. But senators have heard public opposition to many of the orders as they've moved through committees. Several people speaking out against them have said the board's Dunleavy wants to eliminate, provide important public input to ensure a variety of perspectives are heard. Senator Bill Wilikowski, an Anchorage Democrat, says that's been a worry for his constituents. I think the theme is a concentration of power that uh, many people are concerned with. One order that drew particular interest would eliminate the Management Council for Wood Tikchik State Park in southwest Alaska. The board includes representatives of the governor's administration, plus members of local governments and tribal groups. Wood Tikchik is the only state park with such a management council, and Council Chair Cody Larson says its structure is key to maintaining community buy-in. We can only move at the speed of trust. Others pushed back against orders eliminating the Susitna Basin Recreation Rivers Advisory Board and the Advisory Council for the Chilkat Bald Eagle Preserve in Haines. Another order would give the Commissioner of the Alaska Department of Fish and Game the authority to regulate the, quote, live capture, possession, transport, or release of native or exotic game or their eggs, end quote. And opposition to those orders was voluminous. Senator Kathy Giesel, an Anchorage Republican, says in addition to hours of public testimony, her committee received a three-inch stack of written comments on the four orders. Over in the Senate Labor and Commerce Committee, midwives, barbers, and masseuses spoke out against executive orders that would absorb their licensing boards into the Department of Commerce, Community, and Economic Development. And Committee Chair Senator Jesse Bjorkman, a Nikiski Republican, says he's listening. It's my desire to represent the interests of my constituents on the Kenai Peninsula who hold those professions and who have overwhelmingly expressed concern about the, the state government chloroforming their boards, which provide them a professional voice in crafting regulations that govern their professions. Several executive orders were not the subject of much opposition, though. That includes an order eliminating the Criminal Justice Information Advisory Board. It's only met five times since 2014 and last got together half a decade ago. And one hasn't been heard at all in either the House or Senate. It would allow the governor to appoint all members of a board that advises the Alaska Marine Highway System. It's scheduled for its first hearing in the Senate Transportation Committee on February 20th, and public testimony is slated for February 22nd. To prevent the orders from taking effect would require a majority vote in a joint session of the legislature. And Stevens, the Senate president, says he plans to hold an up or down vote on all 12. But that means the House would have to vote to invite the Senate to a joint session, and Stevens says that's no sure bet. We can't force the House to meet with us. The only way we can, uh, we can uh, uh, um, uphold or overturn the governor's, uh, well, I guess overturn the governor's uh, executive orders is by a meeting, a joint meeting of the House and Senate. So we're hoping the House moves ahead. Stevens says he expects to discuss the prospect of a joint session with the House Speaker the week of February 19th. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.